0: You are listening to WTUZ Radio Podcast. Welcome to WTUZ Radio Podcast. I am your host Rhonda. Um, today's topic—it's a follow-up from a uh, podcast that we did back in the summer called What Is Going On in Cali? And I will put a link in the video to that particular podcast when we were going over how California has huge water woes and a part of those water woes also are linked to the Colorado River. So we went into detail on what's going on with the Colorado River and how it is threatened to be to become dry which will be a huge impact on a lot of the states on the west coast so what came across my feed the other day really really blew me back Walmart is planning to try to privatize the Colorado River. Yes, family. Walmart. Okay, I've seen two other folks uh, do something on it. I saw um, the YouTube site, uh, This is John Williams, uh, did a quick thing on it. Um, And then another uh, Apple podcaster, oh, and I should have gotten that for you all, also did something on it. So I I started to do a little bit of research on my own and let's get into it. Okay. So this is coming from in these times. Uh, Of course, this has not hit mainstream media, of course. So um, in these times.com, this article is, is the Walmart family capturing the Colorado River? This came out on January 15th. The Walton Family Foundation has been pouring millions into nonprofit groups concerned with the Colorado River including media outlets that cover the issue. If there's a dominant force in the Colorado River Basin these days, it's the Walton Family Foundation, flushed with close to $5 billion to give away. Run by the heirs of Walmart founder Sam Walton, the foundation donates $25 million a year to nonprofits concerned about the Colorado River. It's clear the foundation cares deeply about the river in this time of excruciating drought, and some of its money goes to the river restorations or more efficient irrigation. Okay, so when we uh, did the podcast, and uh, here it is, what's going on in Cali, uh, and again, I'll put a link in, in that description, we talked about... Uh, the very very um, unstable state of the Colorado River uh, we talked about how many of um states depend on the Colorado River and we talked about how some of the farming practices of the big farms how they are literally contributing, to the problem of a lack of water supply based on the way they're farming, okay? Yet its main interest is promoting demand management. The water marketing scheme that seeks to add 500,000 acre feet of water to declining Lake Powell by paying rural farmers to temporarily stop irrigation uh, or irrigating. In November, 2020, that focus involved involvement paid off. The Colorado Water Conservation Board boosted demand management into a step two work plan, moving the concept closer towards policy in the state, which leads the upper basin states of New Mexico, Wyoming, and Utah and drought drought management planning. But is this approach which verges on turning water into a commodity? Good for the Colorado River, okay? So I want you all to think on that because, uh, to be honest, if you really think about it, water is already a commodity. Because last time I checked, people pay water bills, okay? You're paying them to uh, the county or city, depending on how you're set up. You pay that water bill. I know homeowners can identify with that. I'm not sure if you are renting, uh, specifically renting an apartment, if they are making you pay water bills. Okay, research how your particular county or city gets their water. Are they purchasing water? If they are purchasing water, who are they purchasing it with? And see if that is being traded on um, the Chicago uh, mercantile exchange, okay? Same place where they trade uh, like orange juice and cattle and all of that jazz. I think I'm uh, saying that correctly. So water is already a commodity, okay? Just literally we have all been asleep at the wheel and Here we are, okay? And was the public debate sufficient for policy about a water source that is vital to 40 million people? Without doubt, the foundation has supported the region's nonprofits during the last four years over 60 Colorado River philanthropists uh, organizations receive between 5,000 and 2.9 million each with seven organizations, including the Environmental Defense Fund, the Nature Conservatory, and Western resource advocates each receiving 1 million or more in 2019 alone. A good share of the Waltons Foundation's 25 million in annual donation, also went toward testing demand management on numerous creeks and tributaries in the upper basin states of Colorado, New Mexico, and Wyoming. The Walton Foundation also paid EDF millions to carry out crucial aspects of a 29 million pilot program for demand management in the lower basin states of Nevada, California, and Arizona. Now, I also want you all to think about these multi-billionaires that own land. I'm sure if we just did a little bit of research, we will quickly discover... Possibly that some of those billionaires' land may be in those same areas with these uh, water basins, okay? So are we getting into folks getting into water rights and, you know, I own the land, So this is my water, therefore you have to buy it from me. You see how dangerous that is because we're already literally there because we're already paying for water. We already have states and cities and counties purchasing water. So something else is going on, fam. And I think out in the West will be the testing grounds to institute across the board that all of water is private. Okay. Then there's the Walton Foundation funding media to do stories about the Colorado River. What's troubling is that some of the stories produced omit the Walton Foundation's role in advocating for demand management. Yeah, because I certainly didn't hear about it when uh, we did the piece on the Colorado River over the summer. I didn't see the Walton Foundation mentioned in any of that. Because the foundation's reach is so extensive, few of its critics are willing to speak publicly. They charge that the Walton Family Foundation doesn't just have a seat at the table, it sets the agenda. Lately, though, some water buffaloes seem skittish about a policy that leads to water speculation which raises the question, are the critics of demand management gaining traction? Dan Beard, former chief of the Bureau of Reclamation under President Clinton, hopes so. They, Walton Family Foundation, think they found the solution, he said. The way they've done that is to get all the nonprofits on their side. I think that's a horrible result Especially for the environmental community. <sighs> this is why we have to be careful with all organizations because nonprofits are supposed to be just that nonprofit. You're only supposed to be using funds just for the sake of keeping the organization running. So, money should be your least concern. Money should never drive what the overall mission and purpose and the values of the said nonprofit organization. So nonprofits and I know it's rough for nonprofits and not by any means trying to throw all nonprofits under the bus. That is not my intention whatsoever because you have nonprofits that do absolutely great work. You have nonprofits that literally are running on fumes, doing the best they can to drive forth their purpose, their mission, through their values, but when nonprofits start to get funding from these huge oligarchies, and Walmart is an oligarchy, it's very, very, very dangerous. Now, this is very interesting. The way that they've done that is to get all nonprofits on their side. I think that's a horrible result, especially for the environmental community. We need to sow the seed of seeds of intellectual curiosity. If you've come to a conclusion and you don't deviate from that, you're nothing more than an intellectual dictator. Okay, so I mean, don't we see that all the time? Where folks have in their mind, this is the conclusion. No sort of proof slash truth that you bring to me is going to change my view on the subject, okay? We see that all the time. People do it for different reasons. Some individuals do it. I call it cognitive dissonance. At that point, it becomes their value system. It becomes their religion. And then you have the other side of the coin when there is money involved okay when you are getting something out of it whether it be money whether it be a partnership building up of your brand etc then there's the impact of Walton Foundation money on media nonprofits Brent Gardner-Smith runs Aspen Journalism, a nonprofit news organization that has received 100,000 annually for three years from the Walton Foundation and three years from Katina Foundation, a foundation run by Sam Walton III. Public radio station, KUNC, has received three years of funding from the W, that's the uh, Walton Foundation, for its water desk. Okay. In May 2020, the two nonprofits collaborated in a story exploring the investment group Water Asset Management, speculating that it had sought to buy and dry agricultural water, leaving behind barrel, uh, I'm sorry, barren dust bowls. What was not reported, that only municipalities can buy and dry under Colorado's already tough water anti-speculation laws. The big omission was that a Walton-funded nonprofit, the Nature Conservancy, had an ongoing demand management study exactly where and when water asset management was buying land. Chow. So hence there you go. You have two of the and I don't know if the radio station is nonprofit. But the one nonprofit organization linking up doing a story with the uh radio station, both of them being funded by Walmart via donations or the uh the Walton Foundation to be specific. And their story did not do the total picture, okay? Colorado College, and, and through pretty much through under the bus, Water Asset Management. Colorado College Journalism Instructor Corey Hutchins said he was surprised to hear The size of some of the funding with KUNC and Aspen Journalism, each receiving $100,000 apiece for several years. That sounds like a big Colorado story in itself, he said. It is a big Colorado story in itself, absolutely. You might also worry about Mm self-censorship. You think? A story by Politico, a for-profit news conglomerate, is illustrative. In 2018, Politico received $200,000 grant from Walton Foundation for special projects. In December, Politico ran a feature on the drought-stricken Colorado River that quoted the Walton Foundation head of the Colorado River Philanthropy, Ted uh, Kowalski. And I think that is the exact story that we picked up and what is going on in Cali. I think that's the exact one that we picked up. Okay? So it's this is deeper on the level the the water thing is absolutely horrendous, it's scary, but the other thing that's also just so eye opening how deep the media being infiltrated really, really is. Even otter the recent New York Times article on water speculation in the Colorado River basins omitted the Walton influence. Okay, so to me, this is just my personal opinion, that's not surprising to me that the New York Times omitted the Walton influence because it is a big uh, news media uh, outlet and they usually do omit things like that. Joel Dyer, former editor uh, for Boulder Weekly, wrote who wrote a critical Walton piece, sees the issue of transparency this way. They, the Walton Family Foundation, spread their money so much they've diluted Anyone who could push back the big stories, the big ideas, who's going to look into that? Hmm. Uh, trying to see if we want to do this. I don't think I, I'm going to do that. Just wanted to look real quick. Uh, Because we talked about that. Yeah, I won't do it because we, we talked about that in the other... Um, podcast, What's Going On in Cali. Okay, so again, this is from In the Set Times. This came out earlier this year, and this is the Walmart family capturing the Colorado River. Okay, so they did a great job on that. So just once again, to jump over to how the Walton Family Foundation has been messing around in the uh, water space. Just a couple of, um, just a, a little light research. There's not much out there on this family, uh, but this came from Truth Out. Walmart Family Foundation dumped 91.4 million into greenwashing in 2012. Walmart, Walmartine the rivers and oceans. So this came out in 2013, okay? Uh, Walmart has been, okay, I'm not going to talk about this. This is about, uh, remember when they was trying to make it, they, folks work on Thanksgiving back in 2013? I can't remember if they reversed that. So, child, we're not going to go through all of that. Um, all right, so we're going to get into... However, less well-known to the public is Walmart's ambitious campaign of corporate greenwashing in recent years. Hmm. Seems like they that uh, foundation stepped up their game by donating big money to those nonprofits. Okay, but still pulling strings. Walmart's the country's largest retailer and employer, employer makes more than $17 billion in profits annually. So it has a lot of money to dump into the environmental groups that serve as an agenda of privatizing of the public trust. The wealth of the Walton family totals over one hundred and forty-four. Billion equal to that of 42% of Americans. So remember, this was in 2013. We know since then it has grown. Okay. I think Walmart is close to a trillion, if I'm not mistaken. The Walton Family Foundation reporting investments totaling more than 91.4 million in environmental initiatives. I remember this was 21, I'm sorry, 2013, 91.4 million in environmental initiatives in 2012, including cont- uh, contributions to corporate environmental NGOs pushing ocean privatization through the catch-share programs and so-called marine protected areas like those created under Arnold Schwarzenegger Marine Life Protection Act initiative, as well as to groups such as the Bay Delta Conservation Plan to build the peripheral tunnels. According to a press release from the Walmart headquarters in Bentonville, Arkansas, the foundation awarded grants of more than 91 million to groups and programs that create benefits for local economies and communities through lasting conservation solutions for oceans and rivers. The foundation directed an overwhelming majority of the grants towards its two core environmental initiatives, freshwater conservation and marine conservation. Our work is rooted in our belief that the conservation solutions that last are the ones that can make economic sense. Okay, so I'm not gonna uh, read through all of this, but it is, I just wanted to show you all how far back this Walton Family Foundation has been funding these quote, quote, nonprofit environmental agencies okay so these are some big numbers 38 million to marine conservation 29 to freshwater conservation 23 mil to other environmental grants now that was in 2012 family Um, and I'm not going to read through all of this, but they're throwing around a lot of cash, okay? And there's the Colorado uh, River one, the three million. This Mississippi, uh, okay, let me make sure I'm reading this right because I don't want to lie. Received including okay, 77 $7 million for catch shares, 1.8 million for the Colorado River. Remember, this was back in 2012, though. But I pulled this article because I want you to see it's just not the Colorado River, 3 million for the Mississippi River, 20,000 for the Gulf of Mexico. Um, And then uh, $209,000 for the Gulf of Mexico oil spill. Okay? So you can see all of these foundations that they've been throwing a lot of money to. Okay? A Walton Foundation... Press release claimed that Conservation International continued to implement a three-year program to empower local communities to manage and conserve fishing resources on Costa Rica's Pacific Coast. However, the group's board features some of the most controversial corporate leaders on the planet, including Rob Walton and Stuart Resnick. Rob Walton, Walmart chairman, serves as the chairman of the Executive Committee of Conservation International. Serving with him on Conservation International Board Director is Stuart Resnick, the owner of Paramount Farms. Resnick has been instrumental in campaigns to build the peripheral tunnels to increase water exports to corporate agribusiness. Developers and oil companies to eviscerate Endangered Species Act, protections for Central Valley Chinook salmon and Delta smelt, and to eradicate striped bass in California. Okay, so in other words, building this doggone tunnel for the purpose of corporate agribusiness, so corporate big farming, basically, developers and oil companies. But in the meantime, you're going to be destroying the the protection that was set up for the salmon, the smelt, and the bass. The Center for Investigative Reporting described Resnick as a corporate farming billionaire and one-man environmental wrecking crew. So going back, what I was talking about earlier, we need to pay attention to these huge land owners in the United States, and what they're using the land for. And agribusiness is one of the things for sure. Okay? So as I've said over and over and over again, he who controls the land controls the people. because it is the land that provides the ultimate resources for survival. So I'll run that back again. He who controls the land controls the people, because it is the land that provides the resources for ultimate survival. These are the things that across the board, And and, and including across the planet, the collective, and that's everyone, no one's paying attention. Everyone's focus is somewhere else besides what is going on with the land. And this is how this has been able to go on for so long. Okay. Resnick is notorious for buying subsidized Delta water and then selling it back to the public for a big profit. As revealed in an article by the late Mike Tower in the Contra, Coastal Times in 2009, okay? So like I said, water is really already a commodity. As the West Coast largest estuary plunged to the brink of collapse from 2000 to 2007, State water officials pumped unprecedented amounts of water out of the Delta only to effectively buy some of it back at the taxpayer expense for a failed environmental protection plan. A media news investigation has found, says Tire. Tire said the environmental water account set up in 2000 to improve, "end quote," the Delta ecosystem spent nearly two hundred million, mostly to benefit water users, while also creating a cash stream, a cash stream for private landowners and water agencies in the Bakersfield area. I keep telling you all those of you on the West Coast, specifically in California in Arizona, in Nevada, in New Mexico, in Colorado. I might be missing one. I'm not sure. Wyoming. You better pay attention to what is going on. And specifically with Cali, y'all know y'all done had water uh, water woes like forever. Hollywood made a whole movie about it uh the China the China something y'all is really a good good movie with um uh, what's his name it's a good movie look it up um it was all about water all about it. pay attention to what is going on. No one appears to have benefited more than companies owned or controlled by Stuart Resnick, a Beverly Hills billionaire, philanthropist, and major political donor whose companies, including Paramount Farms, owns more than 150 15,000 acres in Kern County, Tower stated. Resnick's water and farm companies collected about 20 cents of every dollar spent by the program. Likewise, the Nature uh, Conservancy, a group that received the fourth largest amount, 4.5 million from the Walton Family Foundation, in 2012, is also known for its strong support of the Bay Delta Conservation Plan to build the peripheral tunnels that Resnick and other corporate agribusiness interests so avidly support. A broad coalition of fishermen, Indian tribes, environmentalists, family farmers, and elected officials opposes the construction of the tunnels because they would hasten the extension, uh, the extinction of the salmon, uh, the delta smelt, uh, longfin smelt, and other species. Environment Defense Fund drive to privatize fisheries. Environmental Defense Fund with the second highest donation at 12 million is known for its market-based uh, market-based approach to conservation and its push for catch shares that essentially privatizes the ocean. <sighs> so you see it The relationship between the group and the retail giant is so close that it operates an office in Bentonville, Arkansas, where Walmart is headquarters. Oh, they real comfy cozy. Now, I want y'all to think. I want you to think real deep. When uh, we were doing the series on um, the real pilgrims, the true stories of immigrants coming to America, we got into the original charters in some of the states. We went through quite a few. And we went through them because we wanted to know who issued the authority to start doing business in the said state, who set up the boundaries for said state, who assigned the trustees, the board of directors to run said state's what were their duties on the the said boards and the trustees duties with uh, the trustees who were the beneficiaries? What were the said assets? And one that stood out to us, like knocked us all the way down was the original charter for the state of Georgia and it talked about how they don't care what goes on forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever they can change the seal the board members can change the trustees can change but bottom line the assets coming up out of this state ultimately goes back to the king and his heirs forever and ever and ever and ever. And when it got into the assets, the one that just blew us back because you automatically expect them to talk about the land, you expect for them to talk about the minerals in the land, But when they specifically listed in that charter even the fish in the waters, that really, really took us back. We were blown away. We were absolutely blown away how everything had a price tag stamped on it. Everything natural that had a price tag stamped on it. And the beneficiaries were not the indigenous people of the land. The beneficiaries were not even said U.S. government. The beneficiaries were the king and it's his heirs forever and ever and ever. So I bring that up to say, how is this any different? How's this any different? Don't think for one minute when they talk about privatizing the oceans, and you're thinking this one wealthy landowner is going to be the one getting all of these ends ran to him. You have to understand the original colonizations of this land and ultimately. Those multi-billionaires doing business over here, you best believe, they have to kick back to the same said trust and beneficiaries of those European kingdoms. This is no different. It's just done subtly. It's just done being hidden via corporations. But if you follow the money and you dig, you'll find those corporations roll up to a master corporation or foundation that rolls up. I'm sorry, to a trust that rolls up to a foundation and you dig into that foundation only to tie it back to Europe. And then you dig into the owners of that Europe connection only to find out it ties back to one of the European crowns or multiple European crowns. This is the same hustle. Make no mistake about it. All right. Environmental Defense Fund released its Catch Share Design Manual, a guide for fishermen and managers to provide a roadmap to catch share design, which is the focus of our marine conservation initiative, according to the Walton Family Foundation. A catch share, also known as an individual fishing quota, is a transferable voucher that gives individuals or businesses the ability to access a fixed percentage of the total authorized catch of a particular species. Fishery management systems based on catch share turns a public resource into private property and have led to socioeconomic and environmental problems. Contrary to arguments by catch-share proponents, namely large commercial fishing interests, this management system has exacerbated unsustainable fishing practices, according to the Consumer Advocacy Group Food and Water Watch. True to form, sam rawling walton the grandson of walmart founder sam walton serves on the what board of trustees time article put spotlight on walmart uh two new york Times articles in 2012 put walmart and the walton families dirty laundry in their international spotlight leading to a renewed call by the Recreational Fishing Alliance for the public to support their boycott of Walmart, a campaign that began in 2011. Now, isn't that interesting that the New York Times were putting them on blast in 2012. Now, fast forward to 2021 and they did an article And they didn't even mention them at all. Oh, I know we had it in here. Let me make sure because I don't want to lie on them. I want to say that we said that. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't even mention them. So somebody got talked to or got paid off. But let's continue. The Times article covered Walton family support for anti-fishing, pro-privatization efforts in North America, followed by the publication's exposure of alleged 24 million worth of bribes in Central America to speed up the chain's expansion into Mexico. The headlines prove that Walmart and the Walton Family Foundation are no friends of local communities anywhere and their ongoing efforts to destroy coastal fishing businesses through support of arbitrary marine reserves and privatization of fish stocks nationwide should not be supported by anglers, said RFA Executive Director Jim uh, Frio. We're asking coastal fishermen who support open access under the law to healthy and sustainable fish stocks to send a clear message to this arrogant corporation that we've had enough of their greenwashing and grafting efforts. Hmm. Donofrio Frio noted that Walmart made world headlines following a New York Times story that charges the Bentonville, Arkansas company and its leaders of squashing an internal investigation into suspected payments of over $24 million in bribes to attain permits to build in Mexico. Okay, let me just make sure. Yep, just making sure I was still online. Interesting. So somebody got to the New York Times because, honey, they show didn't mention the uh, Walton Foundation being behind the Colorado uh, River studies and funding the nonprofits involved in, quote, quote, the conservation of the Colorado River. Hmm. Reporters' lapse show complicity of corporate media. Okay, truth out, excellent job. I know this was 2012. You absolutely did an excellent job on this. The bribery scandal was exposed on the same day that the Gloucester Times of Massachusetts exposed A reporting lapse in another recent New York Times article about the relationship between Environmental Defense Fund and Walmart partnering together for more enlightening and sustainable operations. Ciao. These organizations are on the tape. The New York Times had earlier reported that EDF, so that's the Environmental Defense Fund, does not accept contributions from Walmart or other corporations it works for. Mm, Okay. However, when confronted on the fact that the 1.3 billion Walton Family Foundation started in 1987 by Walmart's founders, Sam and Helen Walton, and directed presently by the Walton family, has been underwriting EDF's successful effort to replace the nation's mostly small business owners, owner-operated fishing industry with a catch-share model design to cap the number of active fishermen by trading away ownership of the resource to those who have the deepest pocket. The author of the New York Times report conceded by email that in her rush to meet deadlines, she had not considered the relationship between the Walton family and Walmart, according to Dona Frio. I didn't think to check the EDF's board for Walton family members or Walton Family Foundation donations said reporter Stephanie Clifford. Uh, You're a reporter Stephanie Clifford for the New York Times? And you trying to convince all of us that you didn't think to check the board? Adding, none of the third parties I've spoken to had mentioned that connection. Which isn't an excuse. No, it's not an excuse. I should have thought of it myself, but I didn't. RFA is hoping that saltwater anglers and fishing business owners help send Walmart stocks tumbling by refusing to shop at the corporate giant any longer. The Walton family uses their fortune to buy off friends who cover for their despicable business practices. Rather, it's corporate greenwashing with EDF, rebranding efforts through National Trade Association campaigns, or apparently by way of directing, directed bribes to local officials in other countries. Dono Frio said, don't just stop buying fishing tackle at Walmart, stop supporting this company altogether, and let's quit supporting complete buyouts and takeover of local communities. Now, child. Haven't folks been saying that a long time about Walmart? Okay. As they came in, communities, and they destroy local businesses, destroy them, okay? If you are a vendor or small business, Or just a business in general that does business with Walmart. They are a fierce competitor as far as your price that you can sell your goods and services. You have to seriously, seriously weigh it out. I've heard several people talk about their experiences trying to get their product on Walmart shelves, and it's a lot. And not saying that it should not be a lot. Don't get me wrong. But they really have to calculate and really get with the big boys from an accounting standpoint, a strategy standpoint, a branding standpoint to understand if they're going to indeed make money doing business with Walmart because what Walmart's model is low prices. Okay? That's one side of the coin. The other side, we know that there have been communities that stood up when Walmart uh, went to the local municipality boards, or county boards to try to do business in those communities? And they said, absolutely not. Because they understood that it would totally wipe out local businesses. Plus, and how most of the communities wanted was really on the environmental impacts of having a Walmart in uh, their community from the traffic perspective to also um, what it was doing to the landscape of the community, etc. okay? But the Walmarts wouldn't exist if the American people weren't rolling in there and some of them rolling in there badly dressed in such large numbers. Walmart has become such a reckoning force that it was one of the largest employers, I think it's probably still the largest employers in the United States, and not only that, uh, now they may have corrected it. I think they're trying to correct it by rise, uh, raising the minimum wage. But some, a, a lot of their workers, it was discovered that they were receiving government assistance, so they were the working poor. So those said jobs that Walmart said they were bringing to these communities, yeah, you were bringing them, but they they were poverty jobs. Okay. Now that's just stuff that people already know about Walmart. Okay, I'm not giving any new information. Now we're on a whole nother level. When they're in the back end, sitting on these boards, influencing these quote quote nonprofit organizations over water rights. That's some serious stuff right there. Commercial fishermen support Walmart boy, boycott. Zeke Grader, executive director of the Pacific Coast Federation of Fishermen's Association, support RFA's boycott of Walmart. People who are concerned about our environment or labor rights should all be boycotting Walmart, said Grayer. Their policies are clearly intended to commodify our natural resources and put them under the control of large corporations. Family. Colonization of the lands is always about Corporations, and ultimately, those corporations roll up to private foundations slash trust. The Walton Family Foundation is funding the Environmental Defense Fund, which wants to commodify water through the water marketing and privatize our fish through catch-share programs said greater. These are tools used by corporations to further the growing disparity between 1% and the rest of us. Like I done said, those, he who controls the land, controls the people. And when I'm including land, I am also talking about the waters, the land and the resources. I've been boycotting Walmart for decades, and it's absolutely great that recreational and commercial fishermen are together on this, concluded Greater. Um, Okay, so Truth Out. Oh my goodness, you did an excellent job on this. This is from truthout.org. Walton Family Foundation dumped 91.4 91.4 million into greenwashing in 2012, Walmarting the rivers and oceans. This was back in 2013, okay? Fast forward to today, where they still backhanded under the table, doing it through the um, table, But now uh, with the Colorado River, which they were already doing it with the Colorado River, we found out in that other article, okay? So they're hiding behind these nonprofit organizations that they're ultimately funding, okay? So I want to just real quick show uh, the impact of what happens with the privatization of water so this is from The Guardian. Uh, this is called the heavy price of, uh, of privatization, water privatization. With water availability to Chile's capital predicted to fall 40% by 2070, Whew, my God. legislators are being called on the prioritized human and ecological needs over profit. When was this put out? This was 2016, and I do remember this one in 2016. When it comes to water, Chile is failing its citizen. In Santiago, uh, or Santiago the nation's capital, millions of people are regularly left without running water for days at a time and experts are warning of water scarcity to come across the country as temperatures and glaciers retreat. Remember, he who controls the land and resources control the people. What we need is a transformation away from the private model of water ownership and to recognize water as a human right, says Francisca Fernandez, spokeswoman for, child, I'm not even going to try to um, pronounce that, butchering butchering that up, (laughs) which campaigns for public ownership of water. The organization emerged four years ago at a time of mounting climatic stress in Santiago. A recent protest saw at least 2,000 people take to the capital streets to demand the repeal of laws that privatize Chile's water supply. At the heart of the protests and others like it in recent years lies frustration that the privatization of water has kept prices unnecessarily high, delivered poor service, and done little to address concerns over insufficient supply in the future. With water availability to Santiago predicted to fall 40% by 2070, Residents are right to be concerned about the future of their water. For Fernandez, while climate change poses a serious threat to the city's water supply, she believes the issue is principally political. The root of the problem lies in the commodification of the nation's water under uh, Pinochet's dictatorship, she says. The process of water privatization in Chile, which began in 1981 under General Pinochet's established a model for water management, Mm -hmm. don't that sound familiar to y'all, that strengthened private water rights, adopted a market-based allocation system, and reduced state uh, oversight. See, the formula is always the same, family. Folks just don't pay attention. The collective around the world has fell asleep at the wheel as they continue to be controlled via the land and the resources. Just the mere concept that someone can earn the earth is fundamentally flawed. Let's continue. That model became emblematic of neoliberal reforms, heavily promoted by the, this should not surprise us one bit, World Bank and International Monetary Fund, or the IMF. Now y'all should understand what the IMF does. IMF loans money to nations and they say sovereign nations and then when they can't pay it back the IMF steps in and then those they start liquidating the assets And the assets that have always been troubling to me are the lands and the natural resources, specifically the natural resources, because that's always the goal. Money is an agreed upon concept. It only has the value that the collective give it. The real resources are the land and its natural resources. That's always been where the true wealth is. The IMF understands that very well. It is the collective around the world that does not understand that and hence why they continue to be controlled, okay? Uh, I think there's a book, I think it's called Confessions of an Economic Hitman. Check it out. He gives you the rundown of how the IMF gets in there and loan that money, honey, to these sovereign nations and pretty much render them, bankrupt them and how they are ultimately controlled. The resources are controlled, okay? All right, so it does not surprise me one bit that the IMF and the World Bank was promoting water management and the privatization of water. These reforms fundamentally changed the way water is valued and managed globally. No longer a mere necessity for human survival. Really not. Water has become an object of international financial speculation. And experts predict that blue gold will soon become the most important physical commodity worldwide. Dwarfing oil and precious metals boom. Because as I've told you all plenty of times... The true survival is in the land, the food, the water. That's the true survival. That's for your physical survival. The precious metals you would use to get goods and services but the ultimate life-sustaining things is food, water, and shelter. And um, the program, The View, this was, oh my God, this was so many years ago. I haven't watched that in so many years. And how things always work. You're just so happened to see that particular thing at that particular moment and it's stuck in your subconscious for a reason, uh, Joy Behar, I don't even know if she's still on The View, made the statement that water is going to be the next big shortage. Now, the guy that uh, predicted the housing crash in 2008, I don't know why I can't remember that man's name, um, because he was just so boss with it. And everybody thought he was crazy. Um, and you can watch the movie, The Big Short. They did an excellent job running it down. Dang, I I'm, forgive me for not remembering that man's name. That's He also predicts water to be the next big thing. Okay? So this is why it's important for folks to have some sort of skills or some sort of connections to understand sustainable farming, knowing how to grow basic things yourself, knowing how to harvest water. These things are important, but let's continue. All right, so they're even saying that they predict that uh, water will become the most important physical commodity worldwide, dwarfing oil, which oil is dwindling as a commodity as I speak, and precious metals. Pinochet's political demise in 1990 was not the end of Chile's faith in a privatized water supply. If anything, that faith deepened following the return to democracy with legislation in 1998, clearing the way for international firms to buy up the nation's water utilities. You see what I'm saying? Selling of natural resources. <sighs> And Dina's, for example, a subsidiary of transnationals, Akbar and Sus, or I'm probably mispronouncing that, monopolizes San Diego's market today, selling water to 6 million of the city's 7.2 million residents at one of the highest tariffs in Latin America. Jonathan Barton, principal researcher at the Center for Sustainable Urban Development at the Pontifical Catholic University in Santiago, says there have been various attempts to deal with Chile's water issues over the past 15 years, but he doesn't believe they have any influence. A government body, the Water uh, Directorate, is meant to be in charge of water planning, but Barton says it has no control over water beyond basically giving it away to private owners. I don't know what kind of setup. Well, we do know what kind of setup it was. It was set up that way on purpose. So literally, the people have no control over the water. The public officials that the people elected have no control over water, which water is a basic survival for life. So basically they are depending on a privatized for-profit company to provide them for water. But there are signs of a government change of heart, perhaps spurred by public sentiment, A new poll suggests that 74% of Chileans support a return to the public ownership of water. The Chilean Government Special Committee on Water Resources recently proposed reforms to national water laws. Those proposals, now under discussion in Congress, would prioritize human consumption over commercial use and grant the water Directorate New Oversight Powers. The private sector is resisting reform, however. Of course they are. The Confederation of Production and Commerce, representing the Chilean private sector, made its opposition clear in a statement last month by declaring water a public good. It said the proposed reform had a clear intent of expirating our uh, our private rights, water rights. Expropriating private water rights. Sorry about that. If private interests are frustrating solutions to San Diego's water crisis, the city is far from alone. In a study that began at MIT at looked at cities across the world, we found growing signs that private influence over services such as water is leaving poor communities more vulnerable to climate change. Despite resistance from the business community, experts warned that Chile's neoliberal water model cannot be sustained. Barton says climate change requires radical change. If future water crises are to be avoided and he doesn't believe that change will happen within the current privatized water system. Chile's legislators should begin by listening to the demands from the streets. It makes sense to prioritize human and ecological needs over profits. It also makes sense to have a serious conversation about reforms to water ownerships and oversight in the search for a durable solution to the country's water troubles. Ooh, chow. So, uh, shout out to the Guardian. They do very good work. Um, the heavy price of Santiago's privatized water. This came out September, 2016. So just to show you the danger of control of a basic natural resource for survival, okay? So I just wanted to bring you all uh, this update. I will put uh, links to these sources in the description as well as I'll put a link to the original uh, podcast we did on um, the Colorado River, what's going on with that. So family, uh, this is just for us to be aware of what is going on. Um, also for you to just prepare in the best way you can for you and your family. Uh, it is very dangerous, If I, as I've always said to not have a backup plan um, for just basic life things, such as food and water. It's very, very dangerous to have a dependency on a system or the government. They keep showing us time and time again, how vulnerable these things are, as we are witnessing, even with the supply chain. So, goods and services on down to the food chain, the food supply chain, which we witnessed that during the pandemic outbreak. So these should be wake up calls for us all across the planet, okay? So I wish everyone well on this Saturday. This is Rhonda with WTUZ Radio Podcast. Um, If you are not subscribed to us, I encourage you to subscribe, like, and share.